Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And we're rolling. The curtain is up on the latest episode of American Hauntings, the podcast hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. We'll take you behind the scenes of Hollywood, the movie capital of the world, where you'll find palm trees, swimming pools, and more movie stars than you can shake a stick at. But Hollywood isn't always what it's cracked up to be. It's a place of shadows and sunlight, mythology and murder, and home to more cranks, nutcases, killers, and lunatics than you'll find just about anywhere else in the country. In season five, we find ourselves on the streets of Los Angeles, the fabled city of angels, looking at the history, mystery, spirits, scandals, and sins of Hollywood, that glamorous bit of LA that's not so much a place these days, but a state of mind. Each episode of the new season, which started with episode 70, which you'll go back and listen to if you know what's good for you, will reveal another sordid Hollywood tale of crime, corruption, murder, and of course, ghosts. And these episodes may not be suitable for all listeners, so listen at your own peril. You've been warned. So sign your name in the guest book and don't use John Smith like everyone else does. Get the room key and let's take the elevator up to the 13th floor so we can hear a new episode of American Hauntings. And action. Hollywood is nothing but a facade these days. It's not even a real town anymore. It's just another part of Los Angeles that looks a little worse for wear. And the sun-bleached hotels are much like Hollywood itself. They're aging, faded, and trying to hang on to the glamour they had in decades past, when it was movie stars and not hookers that you'd find along Hollywood Boulevard. Some of them may be seedy and a little beaten up, but they have a history. And it's a history that keeps coming back again and again, and often, It returns to stories of ghosts and other assorted strangeness. 
And strange is his word that hardly begins to describe the location that we'd like to take you to in this episode. It's a place that you've seen on television and which inspired a bit of fictional horror too. It's a place that you may have heard some stories about, and yet there's little that can prepare you for the real-life tales of horror, death, murder, suicide, and spirits that haunt the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. The Cecil Hotel has a long history in the city, dating back to the 1920s. In recent years, the hotel has been renamed Stay on Main, but the old original sign remains in place, as if the owners know that no amount of rebranding will ever erase the place's sordid and bloody past. In 1924, hotel entrepreneur William Banks Hanner commissioned the construction of the Cecil Hotel. He envisioned a lavish 600-room building with stained glass windows, upscale rooms, expensive decor, and a gleaming marble lobby. Hannert hoped the rich design and spectacular amenities would attract tourists and business travels alike. In 1927, the Cecil opened its doors and it soon became a hotspot in downtown LA. But the good times of the Roaring Twenties didn't last for long. In October 1929, the stock market crashed, signaling the start of the Great Depression. Cities across the country were impacted by the economic collapse, including Los Angeles. While the Cecil held on to its glamorous appeal through the 1940s, the bright lights of the surrounding neighborhood dimmed. And that's a kind word for it. Thousands of the homeless moved into the area, and Main Street, where the hotel stands, became LA's Skid Row. Travelers and businessmen began looking for other safer places to stay when they came to town. In the years that followed, the hotel fell on hard times, turning into a sleazy spot that invited crime, drug use, prostitution, and violence. It was during these years that the darkest moments in the Cecil Hotel's history took place. The first of many suicides to occur at the Cecil took place in 1927, leaving behind a note in which he wrote he had spent $40,000 in the last six months in a vain attempt to buy happiness Percy Ormond Cook shot himself in his room at the Cecil on January 22nd. According to the note, Cook had been a successful real estate developer in Providence, Rhode Island, but after being separated from his wife and son for several months, he decided the only way to escape his loneliness and despair was suicide. He wrote a letter to his wife informing her of his plans and then spent a week working up the courage to pull the trigger. Cook wrote in his farewell message, Money cannot buy happiness. I've tried it found that it cannot be done. I've lost my wife, my son, and my home, and I'm doing the only thing left for me to do. The next suicide took place in 1931. A Manhattan Beach man named W.K. Norton, 46, disappeared from his home on Saturday, November 14th, and checked into the Cecil under the assumed name of James Willies from Chicago. His body was discovered by a maid in his hotel room on November 19th. He had apparently swallowed several capsules containing poison to end his life. The police found more of them in his vest pocket. Other items in his clothing revealed him to be Norton, a California man, not a Chicago man. A little less than a year later, 25-year-old Benjamin Dodich checked into the Cecil with a gun in his suitcase. When the maid entered his room to clean it on September 17, 1932, she discovered his body. He'd shot himself in the right temple only a few hours after he checked in. Detective Lieutenant Baggett of the Central Homicide Squad could offer no reason for the suicide. 
On July 27, 1934, a former Army medical sergeant, Louis D. Borden, was also discovered dead in his room with the Cecil. He cut his own throat with a straight razor. He left behind a series of farewell notes, each detailing his poor health, which was the main reason he decided to end his life. In one brief note, he asked that Mrs. Edna Hansener of Edmonds, Washington be the, quote, sole beneficiary of what little I have. Grace E. Magro became the first person to fall from her death on one of the hotel's upper floors on March 14, 1937. When she jumped, or fell, the cause of her death was never determined, from the ninth floor, telephone wires were ripped from poles during her descent and became entangled around her body. Police officers stated that W.M. Madison, a 26-year-old sailor from the USS Virginia who had been sharing a bed with Grace, was sleeping at the time of the occurrence and could give no explanation as to how or why she would have gone out the window. Leaving no note to explain his action, Marine Fireman Roy Thompson, age 38, took what police called a suicide leap from the 14th floor of the Cecil on Sunday, January 9, 1938. Registered at the hotel for several weeks, Thompson jumped from the window of his room. His body was found atop a skylight on a next-door building by a hotel employee who called the police. On Sunday, May 28, 1938, a 39-year-old Navy officer named Irwin C. Neblett checked into the hotel, took a large dose of poison, and then died soon after at an emergency hospital. He left a note behind that simply stated that he was, quote, disgusted with life. A school teacher named Dorothy Skyger, age 45, was discovered in her room with the Cecil after swallowing poison on January 10, 1940. Still alive, she was rushed to the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital, but she succumbed to the poison a short time later. In 1947, Robert Smith, age 35, jumped to his death from a window on the hotel's seventh floor. In 1954, 55-year-old Helen Gurney also jumped from the seventh floor to her death. And in 1962, Julia Moore, age 50, jumped from an eighth floor window to perish on the sidewalk below. And here's the weird one, or weirder one. On Friday, October 12, 1962, Pauline Auten, age 27, plummeted to her death from the ninth floor of the Cecil, killing an elderly man strolling on the sidewalk below. Pauline had been discussing marital problems with her estranged husband, Dewey, in the hotel room, and when he left for dinner, she jumped from the window. At first, detectives thought Pauline and George Gianni, the elderly man, might have leapt from the window together, but they found that the man had his hands in his pockets and that he was still wearing his shoes, which investigators believe would have been knocked off if he'd fallen nine stories. In 1975, an unidentified woman jumped from the 12th floor of the building. She was registered as Allison Lowell when she checked into the hotel, but authorities were never able to discover her real identity. The most recent suicide associated with the Cecil occurred in 2015, when an unidentified man was found dead in front of the building. His body was in horrible condition, so it was presumed that he fell to his death, though no official cause of death was ever determined. In addition to the hotel's inordinate number of suicides, the Cecil is also infamous for its history of violence, murder, and grisly deaths. One of the most chilling incidents occurred on September 5, 1944, when 19-year-old Dorothy Purcell threw her baby boy to his death from an upper floor window at the Cecil. 
Dorothy had been staying at the hotel for several days with Ben Levine, a shoe salesman. She woke early that morning and realized she was about to give birth. Not wanting to wake up her bed companion, she went to the hotel restroom on the same floor and delivered the baby alone. After giving birth, Purcell claimed she believed the baby was stillborn and threw him out the window. The newborn's body landed on the roof of the building next door. Purcell was charged with murder and tried for the crime, but in January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Violence occurred again on June 4, 1964, when a hotel staff member found Pigeon Goldie Osgood dead in her room. Osgood, a retired telephone operator, was a resident at the hotel and was known locally for her daily trips to the park to feed the pigeons, hence the nickname. The hotel room had been ransacked. Next to Goldie on the bed was the Dodgers baseball cap she always wore and a paper bag filled with birdseed. Investigators who were called to the scene determined that she'd been raped, stabbed, and beaten to death. A few hours after the murder, police arrested Jacques Ellinger while he was walking through Pershing Square where Osgood went to feed the birds. He was wearing bloodstained clothing. He admitted that he knew Goldie and had been near the hotel at the time the murder occurred but denied any connection to her murder. He was arrested, but soon cleared of charges. As the police looked closer at the circumstances of Goldie's death, they realized that it had a remarkable resemblance to another recent murder. On May 16, 1964, Viva Brown was also murdered in a nearby hotel. The two slains were linked after Goldie's autopsy report showed that she'd been killed and assaulted in the almost exact same manner as Viva Brown. But to this day, both murders remain unsolved. The most notorious murder linked to the Cecil Hotel didn't actually occur there, but the connection came from the fact that it was a favorite hangout of a young woman named Elizabeth Short, who will be the subject of a later multi-episode portion of the podcast. On January 15, 1947, Beth's murder became the first major crime to galvanize the city of Los Angeles after World War II. Her body was discovered in the Limert Park neighborhood of the city, and the case became highly publicized due to the graphic nature of the crime, which included her corpse having been mutilated and bisected at the waist. Beth spent her early years in Medford, Massachusetts and Florida before relocating to California, where her father lived, seeking fame in the Hollywood movie industry. She acquired the nickname of the Black Dahlia after her death thanks to her nightly prowls through the bars of Hollywood while dressed all in black. After the discovery of her body, the Los Angeles Police Department began an extensive investigation that produced over 150 suspects but yielded no arrests. To this day, Beth's murder remains unsolved, and it should come as no surprise that some witnesses still claim to occasionally spot Beth at the hotel bar, sitting alone and sipping a drink. The Cecil was also the home for two different serial killers in the 1980s and 90s. In the mid-1980s, Richard Ramirez, who became known as the Night Stalker, preyed on Los Angeles women, breaking into their homes and brutally raping and killing them. He used a wide variety of weapons, including handguns, knives, a machete, a tire iron, and a hammer. Ramirez, who was an avowed Satanist, never expressed any remorse for his crimes. The judge who upheld Ramirez's 13 death sentences remarked that his deeds exhibited, quote, cruelty, callousness, and viciousness beyond any human understanding. Before his capture, Ramirez often stayed at the Cecil and sometimes tossed his blood-stained clothing in the hotel's dumpster. 
In 1991, Austrian serial killer and journalist Johann Unterweger became a long-term resident of the Cecil Hotel when he was assigned to write an article about prostitution in America. He had already been convicted of murder in Austria in 1974, but was released after 15 years in prison and after convincing the authorities that he was reformed. Spoiler alert, he wasn't. In L.A., he went back to his old habits and murdered three of the sex workers that he was writing about. He was arrested in 1992 and convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. In L.A., he went back to his old habits and murdered three of the sex workers that he was writing about. He was arrested in 1992, convicted of murder, and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And on the night of his sentencing, Unterweger hanged himself in his cell. But believe it or not, those are not the creepiest stories. There is one that's even creepier, and it's one that's played itself out on the internet over the last few years. It would be the strangest occurrence to take place at the Cecil Hotel, and it involved Alyssa Lamb, a 21-year-old Canadian college student who checked into the hotel on January 28, 2013. She was scheduled to leave LA and travel to Santa Cruz on January 31st, but when her parents didn't hear from her, they called the police. A little over two weeks after Alyssa's apparent disappearance, guests at the hotel began complaining of low water pressure. On the morning of February 19th, staff members went to check the hotel's four rooftop water tanks and found Alyssa's naked body floating in one of the tanks. Investigators struggled to make sense of Alyssa's final hours and her mysterious death. The hotel's roof is off limits to guests. The doors are kept locked and only staff members have keys and passcodes. Any attempt to force open the doors would have triggered an alarm. Water tanks are also nearly impossible to access and presuming that Alyssa was alone, also challenging to close from the inside. And then there was the elevator surveillance video recorded at the hotel. The hotel video showed Alyssa in one of the elevators on the date of her disappearance behaving erratically. In the pixelated footage, she could be seen stepping into the elevator and pushing all the floor buttons. She steps in and out of the elevator, poking her head out sideways toward the hotel's hallways. She peers out of the elevator another few times before stepping out of the elevator entirely. The last minutes of the video show Alyssa standing by the left side of the door, moving her hand in random gestures and pressing herself into the corner of the elevator car. She appears to be speaking to someone, but she's alone in the video. Investigators released the clip as part of their investigation. It soon went viral, with many viewers finding it very unsettling to watch. The Los Angeles coroner's office ruled that Alyssa's death was the result of accidental drowning with bipolar disorder contributing to the cause of death. After she checked into the hotel, she'd been staying in a hostel-like room with several other young people. After several complaints from others in this dorm room situation, she was moved out of the room by the hotel staff. It's believed she was not taking her medication properly or had missed several doses, leading to her strange behavior and possibly to her death. Still, though, many questions remain, fueling speculation and internet conspiracy theories. Some point to Alyssa's mental state, others suspect foul play, while others, especially those focused on the eerie elevator footage, believe paranormal forces were at work. Well, this comes as no surprise, based on the myriad of accounts that state that the Cecil is one of the most haunted places in the city. 
Its long history of suicide, death, violence, and murder make it a likely place to find restless, lingering ghosts. One incident with a ghost even made the local news in 2014. A Riverside boy named Costin Alderet noticed a window from the outside of the Cecil. He claims he got a creepy feeling, like the window was staring at him, so he took a photo of it. When he viewed the picture, he could see a transparent figure standing on the ledge of the window as if about to jump or as if they were standing on a balcony that no longer existed. Other accounts of hauntings at the hotel are less documented but are told and retold in newspaper stories, on podcasts, and even paranormal television shows, shows that often come to the Cecil looking for spirits. The hotel is plagued by shadow figures. Staff members are afraid to go into the basement because of the shadows that seem to chase them. Some guests have claimed to see shadow figures in their rooms or out of the corner of their eye. Guests are sometimes tormented while they sleep. There are accounts of bed sheets being tugged at, being sat on by an unseen person, as well as multiple accounts of guests dreaming of a strange figure in the room, and once they wake up, see the figure before it quickly disappears. One spirit has a penchant for hugging people while they're sleeping. However, the spirit then escalates to forced tickling. One guest recalled the spirit holding down her foot so she couldn't move and then tickling her until it felt like it would scratch her skin off. Guests have entered their rooms to see someone sleeping in their bed, but when they go to remove the blanket, it collapses with no one underneath it. The bathrooms are just as haunted as the bedrooms are. There are accounts of faucets and showers being turned on when no one is using them, and then when people go check, they're turned off before they arrive. Once the person begins to leave, the faucet turns back on as if someone is playing a prank. Some guests hear a person singing or humming, often in the shower when the room is empty. Guests can hear shrieking coming from the rooms where people died and sounds coming from rooms that should be vacant. Doors and windows can be heard opening, especially the roof access door that Alyssa Lamb used to get to the water tanks. Hotel staff members have recounted cleaning a room in its entirety and after looking away, turn back to find the room in shambles. And possibly most terrifying of all, at night, you can hear screams coming from outside as if someone is falling from the top of the building. If you're a traveler in search of a haunted hotel, then the Cecil Hotel, or Stay on Main as it's called these days, may be just the place for you. If you're hoping to get a good night's sleep though, I wouldn't count on it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. 
by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Unique New York. The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. What other bullshit does he say? Oh, scotch, scotch, scotch. <laughs> Down into my belly. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to the American Hauntings Podcast, the show where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. We are now in season five of the podcast, Haunted Hollywood. I'm your co-host, Cody Beck, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. Hey, here we are. Again. We're back again. Two days before Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday. Your favorite holiday, It huh? is. It really is, because Wait, it requires... What? Yeah, it does. It requires no real decorating. I mean, you can if you want. Yeah, okay. You know, like fake pilgrims or something. You sure. Know, um, which, it, you know, very historically incorrect. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is my favorite. There's no gift-giving involved. All you have to do is eat. Yeah, but okay, here's my here's my beef. And I like the food that you have at Thanksgiving. I think turkey is like the worst meat. Oh, I don't think so. It's it's You're just it's, not having the right turkey. It's so easy to do it wrong and it's so dry and bland no, and boring. Not. No, it isn't. I'm just saying. I mean, give a me a deep ham. fried turkey. I do like a deep fried turkey, yes. but it rarely I feel like does that get done because it's so much more work well, and I don't know. I like turkey. Well, so. hey, okay, I I liked everything that goes with it. It's Thanksgiving. You just, it's a it's a it's a holiday this year, of sides. Theoretically, will suck. So, well, according yeah. to everyone, it's going to be a lousy Thanksgiving. But well, yeah, with that I attitude, I disagree. I disagree. But that's what we're hearing. Oh so, man. Okay. Well, stay it, home. Don't see anybody. Don't spend time with your family. You know, a, vir- a virtual Thanksgiving. Okay. Well, is there anything up, coming up that you are looking forward to? Well, I, well, actually, what I will tell you that as you know, we do have events that are coming up this winter. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we have um, our still have a few spots left for the Abraham Lincoln dinner on December the 4th. And Is then he going to be got, there? No, he won't. Oh. He was not able to make it this year. Damn it. Um, so because of COVID? He won't. Yeah, because <laughs> of COVID. He won't be there. Um, but we do have dinners coming up this winter. We have ghost hunts coming up this winter. All this stuff that we've posted already is pretty exciting. Um, we also have on February 6th is the free dead of winter event yeah. that we do uh, every year. Um, we have info on the website about it, but we also have, you know, some other things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk more about it as it gets a little sure. closer. It's still a little early for that. The only thing I could tell people that if you are interested in coming and you are interested in taking part in the after hour stuff, mm-hmm. um, we have a ghost hunt this year, um, a couple of like seance events this year. Nice. Also, we have a, um, a bus tour at night, like a, a winter dead of winter bus tour. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff you should get signed up for now because that stuff is filling up. Yeah. Uh, the other stuff is, you know, it's free. You know, we do it as a fundraiser for food banks. You know, that's, that's the reason for the event. Um, and you know, anybody can come for that. And we, we do have a plan, even if we're still in, you know, have some restrictions of, you know, around, we still, we have, everything has worked out. We figured out how to do it. You know, it took some thought, but we did figure it out. So it's going to be cool. So put February 6th on your calendar and, I think really the biggest announcement I have right now between now and the end of the year, or at least through 
December 31st, mm-hmm. um, is the return of our quarantine sale from earlier in the year. All we're right. bringing that back. Um, we're not calling it a quarantine sale now. We're calling it a haunted holiday sale. But the the deal's still the same. Sure. Um, the promo code SPOOKY gets you 20% off uh, any of the books from the online store. And we're giving away the free book bags again. Mm-hmm. Except this time it's going to have holiday art, it, which was created by uh, artist Chris Bonney, who does really cool... Uh, you know, really cool, spooky art. Yeah. Anyway, but I asked him to do a uh, Mary Lynn, the uh, the the Christmas, the Welsh Christmas horse. Oh, sure. The skeletal horse. Um, he's he did that for us, and um, it's going to have those bags. Uh, with our logo too, along with Chris's art. Uh, so it's going to be a collectible and it'll only be available if you get it free when you do the sale. Mm-hmm. Um, so promo code spooky, 20% off the books. It runs, it started on November 13th and it's going to run through December 31st. And then that will be the end of the sale. And I, hopefully we won't have to bring it back. Right. We won't be forced to, because honestly, you know, that, as I think that we've already told people numerous times that that actually kept our doors open this year, yeah. having that sale and people were great about it, but we thought, you know, let's bring it back for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives people a chance to stock up on stuff and, um, you know, give some good spooky gifts away sure. for the holidays. So, so yeah, so uh, you could find everything uh, at AmericanHauntings.net. Um, and that was our main website. We've got links to everything on there. Um, we don't advertise the sale on our website. So you have to be in the end, you've got to mm-hmm. be a podcast listener or a newsletter subscriber or a Patreon, you know, right. uh, you know, a supporter to get all this stuff. So awesome. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll look forward to that then. Let's dive into some listener reviews. This one, I'm really excited to read this one. Okay. It's from LD11122, and it's just titled, Here It Goes. So it says, I really enjoy your podcast, but I've hesitated on writing a review. I know you both like to talk about them, so there's a lot of pressure as a fan to do a great job. Just kidding. But I do love the pod, and I hope you both keep it going. We love to, we'd love to go on one of your haunting tours, hopefully on the other side of COVID. You're both funny and entertaining. My favorite season so far has been The Axeman, but still very excited for the current season. Can't wait to hear you take on 1948 LA so many interesting murders again keep it up love the banter come for the story but stay for the after show well thank you so much I really hope um, that you did a great job uh, right out of the gate um, really I could have used a couple more compliments about us specifically but no you did a great job thank you so much for your review this next one there's no name associated with this one it's just like like a period a semicolon a colon 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 and then a uh, parentheses so it looks like a frowny face I don't okay. know uh, it's titled great storytelling and so interesting Troy is the best at what he does and definitely is educated on all his topics it's so much uh, it's so much better to hear the history along with the scary stories and Cody always asks the questions that I myself would ask keep up the awesome work guys well thank you very much cool. I thought it was going to be a sad review because of <laughs> yeah, your because name of, yeah um, but yeah thank you thank you so much for the review are you ready to dive into Hollywood's Haunted Hotels part sure. two yep I'm ready so you really started off this monologue by going in on Hollywood. I did. You really knocked him down a peg. Yeah. Right? A little Uh, bit, I guess. Yeah. um, When was the last time you were in L.A.? Uh, I don't know. Not that long ago. Yeah? 
Yeah, not that long ago. How do you how do you feel about this? What, what was your feeling about the city the last time you were there? I'm curious. Oh, I I like to go. Yeah. I, I just would never want to live there. Yeah, it seems you know, I've never been. It seems like a terrible place. Well, no, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's a terrible place, but it's it's definitely shiny on the surface and sure. really, you know, see me underneath, you right. know, and so I mean, which makes for great stories, you know, it does, right. it really does, and it has a great history, but. Um, it's, you know, it can be, a, it can be a pretty awful place. Yeah. Um, but it is a fun place to visit. It's just, I, I don't want to live there. You can't live there. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would never live is there. Is the traffic really as bad as everybody says? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is. Um, when you get on the freeways, sure. it certainly is. It's really bad. And I, I mean, and I get it. I mean, Los Angeles started out as a car culture kind of town to mm-hmm. get to where you want to go. You've got to be in a car, you know, but then there are other places that are a great place to go for a drive, you know, like the yeah. Pacific coast highway. It's mm-hmm. beautiful, you know, along there and it's a fun drive and it's usually not backed up like all the freeways are, but yeah, it's, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. It's you pretty know, bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> you know? uh, but, well, hopefully but, someday you know, I'll check it out. Yeah, it's, it's, but I mean, it's, it's still a cool city. Yeah, it is. I've actually, just, I've never been to California. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Vegas is as far out as I've gotten. Never oh. been to Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah. I, huh. There's so many places I need to check out. Yeah, yeah. I like California. Again, I don't say <laughs> want to live there. But, right. um, I mean, there are parts of it that are would be a nice place to live unless, mm-hmm. you know, it's on fire. You yeah, know, it's. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's that the happens. problem you get into there. So, I mean, I love San Diego, but again, I don't know that I want to live there. Yeah. You know, but it's a great it's a great state to visit. Sure. So. Right. All right, well, I'm about to check it out. Uh, well, let's <laughs> put me on the spot there. I don't want to piss anybody off. No, that's 100% it's... why I did it. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk some hotels. So the Cecil Hotel, uh, you talked about how you basically could have gone on and on and on about this and didn't want to cut stuff out about right, it. Right, right. That's why this ended up with an episode of its own. And I think just because I felt, I felt it was necessary that, I mean, we all, I mean, let's be honest, the reason that, there's two reasons people know about the Cecil Hotel. They mm-hmm. know about it from American Horror Story yep. because it was, you know, it's based on that. It's also based on, I mean, it's, it's based on other hotel stories too, mm-hmm. but mostly it's based on the Cecil. And, um, there's that, and of course, then you know the Alyssa Lamb story. Yes, I mean that's, and we'll talk about that. That's the reason that people know it, and but there's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason that you know there's a reason they chose it to inspire this you know the season of American Horror Story, right. and you know I mean there's so much to talk about you know about this place, and you know it's 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 a victim of its location uh-huh. for for well, now, yeah, big time now. But I mean that doesn't that doesn't explain every other thing that has happened there. And sure. and you know what? Like every hotel, you can find plenty of murders and suicides if you want to look for them. Right. But th- this There's place does have an overabundance in a in a building that's less than a hundred years old. Right. So yeah. you know, and I'm I mean I'm looking at my outline now, and it's literally going to go the suicides, the murders, <laughs> the serial killers. Yeah. So it's yeah. currently called Stay on Main and built yeah. in the 1920s by hotel <laughs> yeah, entrepreneur. Not that that did any good to <laughs> that, change the name. That's well, that's, they kept the sign up too. Li- like well, you said. the sign's still painted. It would be too hard to cover over, so they just didn't bother. And sure, you know, I mean, you could change the name, but that's lipstick on a pig. Right. Right. You right. know, I mean, right. Everybody knows what it is. They know the place, and they're going to come there. No no matter what you like call they should it. lean into it maybe but yeah and i mean they were just trying to rebrand it but you know you can't you can't rebrand a hotel for 
tourist traffic when you're a half block from Skid Row. Yeah. You just can't, you no. know, it's, and it's still not gonna, you're still gonna attract the wrong element no matter what you do. Yes. You know. So built in the 1920s by a hotel entrepreneur, because that's a thing, William Banks Tanner. Of course, yeah, of course it was. And then you mentioned the Depression hit, and now that area is Skid Row. <sighs> Let's, okay. Let's, which, which came later. I mean, that yeah, wasn't like you, right after right, the Depression, but, you know, it, it eventually just deteriorated it's not it's not a great part of la anymore yeah you know and again what what can you do what can you do yeah you know there's no way around it so well let's let's dive into the first section the suicides uh the first of many suicides took place in 1927 perry ormond cook shot shoots himself on january 22nd and part of the note says, uh, money cannot buy happiness, Cook wrote in his farewell message. I've tried it, and I find that it cannot be done. I've lost my wife, my son, my home, and I'm going to do the only thing left for me to do. That's terrible. Yes, that, also, the, that, spoiler alert, this is going to yeah. be a really depressing yes, episode. it is. It really is. And it's yeah. just going to be me. There's no way around it. Yeah, it's so. going to be me reading details about terrible things. And again, we're never making fun of the victims or anything. I'm just trying no, to make light just, of terrible yes, things that we're really about to bad. talk about. Yeah. The next suicide is in 1931. W.K. Norton swallowed poison on November 14th. Then a year later, Benjamin... Doditch, Doditch, Doditch yeah. shot, shoots himself. No one ever finds out the reason. Those are the ones that always baffled me. Yeah, no note left behind or anything. Yeah. They just check into a hotel and kill themselves. Yeah, and it seems very common too. Another thing that we're going to talk about too. It seems like a lot of military people. Um, yeah, well, in this it's list. yeah, well, there were you know there were were an army there was an army base there okay. and there you know and a naval base and so you had a lot of I mean it was the West Coast and so that was something you wanted to protect because even even in the 1930s things were starting to heat up a little bit with mm-hmm. you know Japan and all that kind of stuff and so you always had military installations in that area okay well then, you know, and then after the war started they were con- they were sure that. You know, L.A. was going to be hit by the Japanese, right. you know, and there were, you know, there were Japanese sub sightings off the coast and all kinds of stuff. So it was a legitimate concern. But, yeah, that's that's why there's so many, so many military, so many military and, and sailors mixed into this Fair 1930s enough. and 40s stuff. OK. And then let's see. July 27th, Louis D. Borden cuts his own throat and left yeah. lots of notes. Yeah. Um, this is just a. Curious way, to, I don't know, to go about it, I guess. And then that seems and, awful to yeah. me. I mean, you know, again, it depends on what floor you're on, but dude, jump out the window. I mean, <laughs> we come did, on. we might yeah. have had a conversation, yeah, we did about this earlier, yeah, we about you know, if you're sure that you really want to do it, then you get on the highest floor you can and jump because you're not going to bounce, you're right? Definitely not going to survive, right? But what if you survive after you've cut oh, your own throat, which I is just, doable, it is, it depends on which you know, which side you cut. You know, yeah. so I don't know. Man. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I'm going to pass on that. One. Hotel rooms are the worst. OK, so great. Gracie Margot becomes the first person to fall to her death in 1937. There's going to be a lot more um, and ends up getting entangled with telephone mm, wires. Telephone wires. Yeah. I mean, a, a couple of things. One, like when you see where you're kind of trying to go, I guess you don't. Well, care not really. Point. I mean, you know, she jumps from the ninth floor and the telephone wires are not anywhere close. So she mm. probably couldn't even see them. Okay. That's you fair. Know, and it was, I think it was at night. Uh, so because okay. you know she's in bed with the sailor, that's and, the next you know, who doesn't up. know why she jumped out the window. That now, would be which bizarre. Is, which is a got to be a lie. You think there had to have been something Some that happened? Or that she would have jumped out the window. I just so. imagine like okay, you're 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 in town having a good time, one night stand kind of thing, and then the 
kick your whip <laughs> yeah. just fucking yeah. jumps out yeah. the window. Good point. That's got to be just <laughs> good point. Bizarre, yeah. and it might ruin your dating life for a while. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Roy Thompson jumps in 1938 again with no note. Irwin C from the 14th floor, which you can put in quotation marks because, because that would actually be the 13th floor okay so. you, you, can we talk about that sure i, I think i know we have it's before. superstition and, yeah. i mean it was just There's still buildings like that yes it was a, well they don't usually the new ones like aren't that. built that way they just leave them that way there's lots of older hotels that you go to especially in big cities and when you get in the elevator and you look in the old ones mm-hmm. you'll find there is no 13th floor so it was just considered unlucky and now we see you know, remember that this this is one hotel we're talking about, mm-hmm. and there were others that we talked about in the last episode. And you know, and we've talked about other hotels, and I've written a lot about haunted hotels. And every one of these hotels that have this, you know, that that are 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 said to be haunted, have a very dark past, and a lot of them involve suicides and murders mm-hmm. and things. And so, you know, a thirteenth floor in the early 1900s or, you know, late 19th century, that was considered an unlucky number and people would not want to stay on the 13th floor. So they just didn't have one. Yeah. Um, Even though the 14th floor really was the 13th (laughs) floor, but that's, you know, um, but yeah, that's the reason behind that. That's the reasoning behind it. And um, you know, the entire architectural world was revolving around right. people's fear of uh, trichophobia, which is the fear oh, yeah, yeah. of thirteen. So you know, um, so I mean, you know, people still talk about the Friday the Thirteenth, which yeah. we got one coming up. Oh, we just passed one. Yeah. So November had a Friday the Thirteenth, and I always watch for them because they're good days to have events. That's oh, normally sure. what we do. You know, That's a good but point. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things that people they catered to that superstition for so years. So weird. Yeah. I've seen a few buildings like that in downtown St. Louis mm-hmm. even in yeah. the elevators. Yeah, there and are. I, it's just, it baffles yeah, I me. I see it in but Chicago a cool. lot if you stayed in an older place. You, yeah. so you see it a lot. Uh, that's crazy. So, okay. Uh, Irwin C. Neblett takes poison in 1938. Dorothy, Dorothy Schreiger? Schreiger, I think. Takes, yeah. takes poison again and eventually dies in the hospital mm-hmm. later. 1940, Robert Smith jumps in 1947. Helen Gurney in 54. Julia Moore in 62. Pauline Otten in 62. Um, now, that's an interesting This one. is a terrible yeah, that's a, one. That's a, it is. And that's, that's not your normal jump from a window suicide. Yeah, lands on an old guy just minding his own business. Walking down the street, yeah. And yeah, like I said, when the detectives got there, they thought they had, like, jumped together. Right, Romeo and and Juliet. Yeah, but then discovered, you know, he... You know, had had his, his hands, hands in his pockets and was just walking down the street. It's and not funny. A woman plunges out of the window and lands on him from oh, the ninth God. floor because he's still had yeah. his fucking shoes on. Yeah, right? and yeah. So it's yeah, not funny, not, but I can't stop. Laughing. But it's weird. It it's is definitely weird. Um, and then another interesting one. So unidentified woman jumps in seventy yeah. five. We still don't know no, who she was. No, they don't know who she was. I would just I, that that baffles me. I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess. I, well, you know, it's it's you know when we're in here in Alton, we talk a lot about. You know the Pearl Sons that committed suicide at the Mineral Springs Hotel. Yeah, nobody knew who she was at first either because she checked in under a false name. Right, and so you know back when you didn't, you know people didn't. I mean, by 1975, believe me, the Cecil was not taking credit cards, um, <laughs> so you could pay cash and check into a room and say your name was anything. Sure, you know, and I'm sure that's what she did. And back, you know, before people were all using credit cards and diners club and you know uh-huh. that kind of stuff the early credit cards you paid cash when you checked in yeah. and 
didn't really matter what your name was, you know, John Smith and Mrs. Smith. You know, I mean, yeah. that's that's the thing. So I'm just surprised it's not nobody that put it together. Surprise. Um, I mean, even the guy in 2015, the last yeah. the last recorded suicide that I I could find. Um, he, they found him dead outside the building and they assumed he jumped. They still don't know for sure because they don't know if he was a guest or not. I mean, whoever he was, he wasn't registered there, but, huh. uh, but because of the condition that he was in, when they scraped him off the sidewalk, they knew he had jumped from the building, but yeah. nobody knew anything for sure. This, so. so they still don't know. No, that, and that is? was Nothing? the, that was the last one that I could find. Wow. So, I mean, I yeah. figured na- like nowadays, fingerprints, dental records. Yeah, but now. you know what, though? If you, I mean, you got to remember, again, it's a half block off Skid Row. So this mm-hmm. could have been anybody who walked into the hotel and True. took the elevator up to an upper floor and jumped out a window. Right. Um, as we will find out in our next story, there are windows in all the rooms, um, including the bathrooms. Oh, so, you know, sake. you could have jumped out anywhere. Yeah, let's, let's. Let's just do this. Okay. Because we're going to move on to our murders and violent deaths. Dorothy Purcell, 1944. So she gives birth and then throws her baby out the window claiming it was stillborn. Yeah, she thought it was stillborn. Well, and the weird thing was that she's shacked up with the shoe salesman. Yeah. And doesn't want to know. Apparently, I don't know if he doesn't know she's pregnant or maybe, maybe it was his thing, you know, know, it's hard to say. That's true. But she wakes up, goes to the bathroom down on the main floor and gives birth and then opens the window and throws the baby out because she said that he was stillborn. But on the other hand, you know, a couple of months later, they find her guilty by reason of, in, or not guilty by reason of right, insanity. Right. So for all we know, she just threw the baby out the window and it landed on the roof of the building next door. Good. Yikes. Yeah. So yikes. Maybe with the bad So water. this place is, uh, well, again, though, it's, this hotel is, invites this kind of thing, it, I think. It so, does. Uh, the next one. It's a bad location. It, it's yeah, just bad. That's what I'm, that's so, what I'm hearing and what I'm reading. sour. You know, as Stephen King would say, the land was sour, <laughs> you know, so. Oh, God. Okay. Pigeon Goldie Osgood, again, 1964. She lives at the hotel. So we're going to get back into the discussion we had right. last time about people living in hotels because yeah. back then that was still an acceptable thing. And by 1964, this place is a flea bag. So, really? yeah, it's it's not really a surprise that people are staying there permanently yeah. in the rooms. You know, or living there a month at a time. Yeah, you know. and so basically she's found rape, stabbed, beaten to death. Um, I'm kind of confused. In her room. In her room. Yeah. I'm kind of confused about some of this. So Jacques Inlinger yeah. is arrested wearing bloodstained clothing but clear to the charge. Did he just have different blood on uh, yes, his Yes, yes. Um, I mean, there's a lot more to that story. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, I could put all the detail in. I figured, but yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, she would go down to the park every day and feed the pigeons. That's mm-hmm. how she got her nickname. And uh, then they found her in her hotel room and it had been ransacked and she's dead. She's been raped. She's been stabbed and beaten to death. And then so the police are called and they're going down to where she normally feeds the birds. Mm -hmm. And they find this goofy guy down there who's like some semi semi incoherent, Mm -hmm. um, this Jacques Ellinger, and he's got blood on his clothes. Now, 
he wasn't like soaked in blood, but mm-hmm. it was enough to make him a suspect. Is it just like drug addict kind of. Yeah, stuff, he just probably. some some burnout, yeah. and you know he admitted that he knew her, right? Because she came there every day. He's probably a panhandler, sure. From you know Skid Row, goes down to the park, you know, looking for money, right? And that's how he knows her. He probably talks to her all the time, and he probably said, "Oh yeah, I know her. I know her," you know. And that's, you know, back, this is 60s, this is still pre-Miranda. Sure. You know, you could arrest anybody for anything. No one had any rights. And so they hauled him in and then found out that he was just a goof. And I'm surprised they didn't end up pinning it on him. Yeah, I mean, apparently he had enough uh, information. And then and then this, this other thing came along. Mm-hmm. You know, detectives heard about this other case that right. had happened almost identical in a nearby hotel. And they began to think that... They were linked. Um, you know, Goldie's autopsy showed that her and Viva Brown died almost exactly the same way, but they never got any further with it. I mean, they, it was never solved. The two murders were never solved, but, you know, there it is linked to yeah. the Cecil Hotel. It, yet another murder happening inside this building. Uh, this place sucks. Um, okay, so it's something I, we're just going to touch on yeah. briefly. We'll but, talk more about but, it later. But we but have to. Yes. Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. Yes. This is one, when I asked you, I think, if you could find, if you could just get one wish granted or whatever yeah. and, and know, you know, how one thing went down or, you know, the answer to any kind of question. Um, I think we were talking about Velisca probably at this point. Yeah, I think we and were I said, too. you know, if there's one crime kind of that you could just have solved and know what happened, what would it be? And you said the Black, Black Dahlia. Dahlia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much do you want to talk about this right now? What do you um, um, well, you know, I, I I think that what I what I mentioned in the in this is enough because mm-hmm. we're going to have probably a multi part episode later on about the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think people are familiar enough to know who she was, and I think I covered it pretty well. And this just gave it a, a quick rundown. But in complete honesty, this is a story that's told about the bar at the Cecil. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe Never it. Never confirmed. I mean, you know, I, I know she used to go to a lot of different places. And it's so it's very, very possible this was because at the time in the 40s, this was still a happening place. Sure, and she probably, wanted she in probably there. did go in there for drinks. I mean, it was a good place to meet people in the hotel. And well, I don't want to get into that. But yep. as far as the circumstances of her death goes, it wouldn't surprise me to find her hanging around hotel bars. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, you know, they say that her ghost shows up there. You know, they say, I, and I've also heard that, you know, some people believe it was one of the last places she was seen. It wasn't. Sure. It wasn't. So uh, the last place she was seen was at the Biltmore. And that's, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but I'm excited. Uh, to but they do that. talk about her, you know, people claim that they see her ghost. But the fact that she may have drank there, that's enough to link her to yeah. the story. So you gotta mention I it. don't put a huge amount of, you know, stock in that sure. part of the story but it's interesting and it's worthy of mention yeah well with everything else going on in this place yeah, i mean no. you know right why not so, why not uh well yeah with everything else going on let's let's jump into the serial killers here yeah. so two serial killers were known to have, have stayed there at least for a length of time um i'm gonna talk about the first one richard ramirez so when we've talked about this before but people will ask me all the time who's your favorite serial killer and i'm like no that's a fucked <laughs> yeah. up question yeah <laughs> i don't have a favorite but there are some that intrigue me right more right, than sure, others sure. some that are more interesting richard ramirez has always been one of the people that i bring up and i bring it up for a couple of reasons one scares the fuck out of me yeah yeah it's, it's scary well you know what's scary about him is that 
there was no rhyme or reason yes. to any of these murders. He has no I mean, pattern or, no. or I mean, victim. his general pattern was he's going to break into somebody's house and kill them. Yes. That's it. That's, That's it. the whole pattern. Yep. Because you never knew what he was going to do, what he'd do to his victims, what weapon he was going to use, how he chose the locations, nothing. 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 It's just a true psychopath. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people, it's like, okay, they... Um, kill people that look like them or they target, you know, sex workers or things like this. But he was just kind of like men, women, yeah, children. And, all and he over used the, the, you know, he used the satanic thing to his advantage I, because I it was the mid 80s. Yeah. You know, it was the middle of satanic panic where there were Satanists everywhere. Yeah, the rest and, was a bad you know, rap. he used he used that as just to get attention. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, he was American Horror Story leaned into well, it sure, so much. Sure, of course they did. But, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, no real Satanists would have had anything to do with him. Yeah, of so course. he was a he was a Satanist of his own making, like people who start their own churches in uh-huh. a garage. Right, I mean, he right. was as he was as you know as as true a, a a Satanist as you know Jim Jones was a legitimate pastor. Right, you know, right. I mean, you know, he was definitely doing his own thing, and that was a good way to get attention. Cutting a pentagram in his palm right. for his trial and stuff, but it got a lot of attention because that was a hot topic at the time. Yeah. You know, um, that was a you know Satanists were everywhere. Uh, Geraldo and you know uh-huh. all this stuff. Fucking so Geraldo. yeah, so you just you know it, it, that was all for show, but it made him seem a lot more sinister. And don't get me wrong, he was right. I mean, this guy was completely, and I would say insane, but you, it's functional. Insane. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. It wasn't like he was really mentally ill. He just was a evil, evil person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In a nutshell, he was just evil. Yeah. But used to, but stayed at the Cecil. Yep. You know, and that's where some of his bloodstained clothing was recovered. Was Three the throw it out of yeah, the, the so dumpster. Was, yeah. yeah. I mean, this was a guy who was committing these. I mean, we could spend all day on this, but. Um, you know, was committing these crimes and really wasn't even trying to hide it. No, he you know, didn't give a fuck. it's just, they just took him a long time to catch him. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I mean, yeah. there's, I'm sure a lot of reasons. There's probably a lot more to the story as to why he was so hard to catch. Sure. But well, I don't know. I don't probably know what laziness it was. Probably laziness and Yeah, work. just, you know, or just, you know, crossing jurisdictions. I mean, yeah. we talked about all that. So, I did appreciate, know. though, in American Horror Story, I'll tell you, when they did catch him, because I know that a lot of that is accurate, where yeah, the crowd it runs, it, yeah. runs him down yeah, like that. Yeah. I, I did appreciate that. Um, the next one we're going to talk about, Austrian serial killer and journalist. Who I knew nothing about. And I really, I really. Johann Unterweger. I wrote this down. Yeah. I said, I have no idea who this is. I but, know. I, I didn't either. Um, I had to look him up and find a little information about him when I was working on this and this is pretty much it. I yeah. mean, you know, he was, you know, he, you know, what was interesting is that he had already been convicted of murder in Austria and yeah. had been spent 15 years in prison and then, <laughs> but he reformed. was reformed and they let him out and it's like, you know, they got a different kind of prison system than we do, but they let him out and then he was working for a magazine, was going to write a, an article about like S&M clubs and bondage and prostitution in America. So off they sent him to LA to write his story, uh, you know, working on his, um, you know, on, working on an expense account, mm-hmm. you know, and is staying at the Cecil. <laughs> so it wasn't much of a, an right, expense right. account well, the, by the 1991. Yeah. But yeah, so he ends up murdering three prostitutes and gets caught. It just seems uh, like he'd be the first person they'd probably yeah, check in on. Yeah, you'd think. But, you know, coming from a different country, he's there on a visa, you know, he's he's off the grid. And it's 1991. Right. So again, you're, you know, we're not talking about, you know, great 
great uh, forensics and all sure. that kind of stuff. It's still a little early for that. And uh, then when he gets caught and they sentenced him to life without parole, I'm guessing he decided he did not, would not want to go back to prison. Oh, yeah, that day, right? Yeah, I mean, so he hanged himself in his cell after his hearing. So. Uh coward. Anyway, okay, so let's move on to, honestly, one the of the wildest <laughs> yeah. stories I've, I've ever heard. I knew about this beforehand, um, and I've seen the video, and... Uh, there's a lot of... I've read an entire book about it, which... Really? Yeah, the book was mostly just filled with um, the same kind of conjecture that we've put sure. into, you know, 10 minutes of the thing, but yes. it's a, an entire book, and it's... it's. But a lot of it's about a guy searching for answers, so you get a lot of his his own take on things, but he spends a lot of time talking to, like internet conspiracy nuts uh-huh. and stuff like that who everybody's got an everybody's got an answer or a secret or yeah. you know there are shadow people in the video there are extraterrestrials and sure. all kinds of crazy crazy stuff i mean for whatever reason if you you go on youtube and put in Alyssa Lamb mm-hmm. video, you will get, first you will get, like from CBS News, the actual video. Uh-huh. Which is, is, is stop it, there. It's disturbing just, enough. Just stop there. Yeah. Because everything after that is like everyone's crazy hosted, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be on video and talk about this video. Yeah. And it is just one after another. And the further you get down the list, the crazier they get. Yeah. You know, well, okay. Is so, this a ghost in the corner? No, that's no. her shadow. Yeah. And you know, well, okay. What do you, but it's still really weird. What man. do you think happened? I think she was off her meds. That's what I think. Uh-huh. So, I mean, she was on, you know, she was on bipolar medication uh-huh. and wasn't taking it. That's what I think happened. Now th- that's as far as the video goes. Yeah. But I think that someone, someone in this, skeezy hotel um, took advantage of her and killed her, murdered her and killed her and dumped the body in that water tank, Mm. which would, I I get it. It would have been difficult to do, but not impossible. impossible. The hotel refuses to take any responsibility for what happened, but they won't let anybody, you know, they, they won't, you can't like, you know, check. They wouldn't let people like check to see, make sure the doors really worked. A lot of the, uh-huh. you know, the footage disappeared, security camera yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, somehow, you know, and they would always say, "Oh no, you couldn't have gotten that door open. You can get any door open." Yeah. And oh, an alarm when it went off, really, in this dump. <laughs> sure. Um So you know, they somebody took her out on the roof and dumped her in that tank, mm-hmm. thinking that she wouldn't be found. And then for the next like three weeks, people are complaining about water pressure uh, and tasting, talking about the water tastes funny. Yeah. Because she's been stewing in that tank yeah. for three weeks, you know, or however, it was a couple of weeks anyway. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what I think happened. I think she was off her meds. Somebody took advantage of that fact. And one of the other guests who were there uh, was somebody probably living there by the month or mm-hmm. whatever, or somebody came in off Skid Row, when, and because you don't tell me that the security's so tight, sure. this place that no one could just wander in back then. Well, people, I know they people could. have done that and then just yeah. jumped out. I mean, like, yeah, I just there. don't. You know, this is this is less than ten years ago, but you know that place has been bad for a long time, and I I honestly think that that's what happened. Yeah, you know, somebody killed her. I don't. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything supernatural about it. I just think it is a, in her particular case, that's not to say this hotel isn't haunted because I mean, look at all the stuff that has gone on there. Right. And we'll talk. And about this ghosts. is one more, Weird. one more bad thing that's happened. I mean, it, we could spend, we could probably, 
if we did the research right, I could probably write an entire book about the girl who threw her baby out the window, yep. you know, and, and question why she did it and what happened. And, you know, and I think this is the same thing. This caught on because there's security footage and it got leaked Yeah, and it got onto the internet and the internet is the internet. And it's, and, it's creepy you know, as hell. 10 years ago or, you know, seven, eight years ago when this happened, um, you know, it, it, it became a viral video an early, fairly early viral video. And it, you know, it got everybody's attention. And, you know, once you put something out there onto the internet, uh, which is the takes super highway of, I don't even know, <laughs> um, you know, a- anybody can see it and anybody with their tinfoil hat yeah. is going to get involved. Yeah. And so there we go. And so you get a lot of really bizarre speculation and, you know, I don't I don't think there was a demon there or a ghost there. And when she's waving her arms, talking to people, she's talking to herself or the imaginary person she thinks is standing in front of her. Right. And I think that we need to look at this. I mean, yes, it's weird. Yes, it's bizarre. Yes, it's unsolved. But it's also super sad. Yeah. Because here is a here is a woman whose, you know, mental illness has taken control of her and her, you know, medication slash doctor slash whatever. Uh, failed her. Mm-hmm. And here she is. She's off her meds and it led to her death. I yeah. mean, it's not the first time it's ever happened. This just seems to be weirdest. It seems to be one of the weirdest time and we can all watch it. You know, she has become the modern day version of a freak show. Yeah. You know, we are watching a young girl fall apart and on camera and lose her mind. But right. she's already lost her mind because she's off her medication. Yeah. And it's, I think it's more sad than anything else. Um, but I mean, I do think there's foul play involved. That's how she ended up dead, but I don't think there's anything paranormal about what happened to her. Yeah. I really don't. Well, I mean, that's my opinion, but I don't, I mean, there's plenty of other things about this hotel that, that probably could be or are paranormal. I don't think that Alyssa Lamb is mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely had an impact on some pop culture things. That for, oh, for sure. One, there's yeah. a, there's a big Reddit post about like this elevator game that they say oh, she's sure. playing, which sure. is, it's, it, and it's a fun story. Yeah. It's interesting, it's but sad. it's a story. It's sad yeah. when you realize kind of where it came from. And then there's another podcast. Um, I hate recommending other podcasts that don't recommend us, but, um, there's one, there's a podcast I listen to called Tannis, which, um, is from, Pacific Northwest stories, I believe. The people that do a podcast called uh, the Black Tapes. Oh, podcast. sure, yeah, 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 yeah. And Tannis is like their sister podcast, and they they pull in for Tannis. They'll do things like this, and and things that have some kind of truth, but then they'll roll them into their like fictionalized oh, story. Sure. Um, it's and it's really interesting. So I'd recommend checking that out if, if you're interested. Um, and just again, we've been talking about suicides and murders and mental health, and um, I've been just laughing and making jokes and things and i think it's really important to just be like don't kill yourself get help yeah we don't well, i don't mean yeah. to be making don't, light of don't it, these get off things. your medication don't you get know, off your med- medication you're Especially this, for a reason and this know? year has been really really tough on a yeah. lot of people so yeah, please please get help um if you need it and don't think that we're making light of any of this um let's move on to some of the ghosts um, well, one thing I wanted to ask is, have you ever stayed at the Cecil? <laughs> no. Never. No. I, you know a, I've got a thing about hotels. You We've do. been through this. You do. Uh, I don't stay at hotels that open to the outside. That's my number one rule. Uh-huh. I don't stay in motor hotels, okay. as in motels. Right. Um, I, I just have... I've been no doing desire. this way too long sure. and bad things happen in motels and motor lodges uh-huh. these days. Um, and I, I, I have a, you know, I just don't 
some place like the Cecil. Um, I no desire. No, I have no interest in staying. That's there. fair. Um, and not as a guest. I mean, just to go there to poke around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. But and I've been there. Been in yeah. the lobby. Uh-huh. I've never been through the whole hotel. But. Um, but I have no interest in staying there. It's way too skeezy. You for can me, see Troy's so. face when I ask. Yeah, him that that's question. not happening. So I just wanted to you know, confirm. Um, yeah. Let's talk about what Costin Alderate takes a photo. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, that and it's. Um, I tracked down the picture and I, I don't know. You're not convinced. I mean, it, it was. It was. It was featured like in the news and stuff. And it was a. Uh, you know, it was a just kind of a local news. Uh, item, you know, uh-huh. and in the wake of, you know, you're talking about the year after Alyssa Lamb, and there was still a lot of, you know, a lot of focus on the Cecil, and so the story made the news, and I don't know, I don't know if it's that's anything. Fair. I mean, it could be, I guess, but that's fair. I don't know. I think there's plenty of other material at the Cecil besides sure. that picture. It's just worthy of mention. Yeah, right. So. Well, well, you mentioned the hotel's plagued by shadowy figures. Uh, people are tormented in their sleep. There's a ghost that hugs people, <laughs> yeah. which is seems kind of nice. Um, uh, and the really? la- I mean, <laughs> okay. it's at least while they're sleeping. I'm gonna pass. Look, Thanks, you know what? But... Everybody needs comfort. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the bathrooms are also haunted, and that's kind of the point I wanted to end on, just because of where we are now at the Best Western, because. You all have at least seen some weird things or felt yeah. some weird things in, yeah. in some there of these bathrooms, been, right? Yeah, there, well, you know, there are stories about, I mean, we know of some deaths that have occurred here at the, I mean, every hotel. There's nothing against this particular <laughs> hotel. Every hotel. Every hotel has to sheer numbers game. die in them. Yeah. And um, there are some rooms here that do have activity, mm-hmm. including um, one particular room where there have been flying shampoo bottles and things off the counter. <laughs> was that you or is that Lisa? It's true. It's true. I so, can't remember. Yeah, it's it, but it has happened. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, like, I think one time a group of us were recording the podcast and heard a loud noise in the bathroom. And the shampoo bottles had gone from the sink into the bathtub. Was that when my brother was recording? Yes, God, son it, of a was. Bitch. it was. It was when one. he was here. This, yeah, this bullshit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, strange things happen. Yeah. Here. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know the cause behind all of them because I don't think they want to know. Uh-huh. I don't think that like just send it. Are they going to be mad to that know. we're talking about this? No, I don't think so. We've talked about it at the conference. Before, uh, okay. So, and we've had other rooms where people with the knocking on the doors and stuff, you know, that are not, sure. you know, people who come for the conference and stuff. We'll talk about that stuff. So, yeah. So bathrooms are a thing. So fair enough. Um, and I think we also talked about it too. I was like, whenever I like, I think I was using the sink in there or something. And I was like, my thumbprint is like so prominent on here. I was like, do you think they do that because so many people <laughs> commit crimes in hotel rooms? It's like they want to make DNA evidence, just like evident. I always uh, wipe down everything before I leave. Well, yeah, I bleach so, the hell out of this yeah, place. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so it is now time for our ghostwriter segment. If you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at American hauntings podcast at gmail.com. I would say so. So this first one comes to us from Tara. It says, hi, Troy and Cody. I've been a fan of the American Hauntings podcast since discovering your season four New Orleans episodes earlier this year. You guys have an incredible podcast, and it quickly became one of my favorites. Thank you. I don't normally reach out to engage with podcast hosts, but I just listened to season five bonus episode six about the Los Feliz murder house, and I felt compelled to share some comments with you. I'm absolutely loving this season because I'm a Southern California native, and I'm familiar with most of the locations you've been discussing on the podcast. I worked for Sony Pictures and Disney Studios 
Studios for several years out of college, and I spent a lot of time at both Culver and Paramount Studios. I was also a police officer with the LAPD for almost 12 years, and I worked in both Northeast and Hollywood divisions for a good portion of my career. I responded to the Los Feliz murder house on Glendower at least 15 to 20 times for alarms and trespassing calls during uh, 2008-2012. I became borderline obsessed with the location and its history for a couple years, and I would often convince my partner to go check on the house (laughs) just for fun uh, while working graveyard shift or on a slow night. I peered through the windows countless times, fascinated by all the items seemingly transfixed in time. I can't remember it all now as it's been several years, but I recall the uh, the Christmas tree and and wrapping paper rolls, the faded shag carpet, ladies' stockings hung over a tub in the downstairs bathroom, decaying boxes of house cleaning products on the bathroom shelves, and the horrific-looking black cage surrounding the second story window of a bedroom that was rumored to have been the eldest daughter's room where she was kept locked away. Based on my personal experiences there, I was more creeped out on several occasions and definitely believe the place is haunted. I moved to another state a couple years ago and no longer live in California. As you said, Troy, it's a great place to visit, but you never <laughs> want to live there, dot, dot, dot. Uh, but listening to this, ep- this season's podcast uh, has brought back a ton of memories. I also learned several new things I wasn't aware about the house from listening to that episode, so thank you. There are several podcasts on hauntings and ghosts that I listen to frequently, and I enjoy them all, but your podcast is unique. I'm a history buff in addition to my interest in the paranormal, and your podcast is is the perfect blend of history and hauntings. I also love season three and the history of the Midwest Axe Murders. Once I get caught up on some other things, I'll be checking out your first two seasons as well. You probably don't need to do that. Um, But keep up the great work. I look forward to every episode. Sincerely, Tara. Um, Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was excited when I got that email. That was very cool. Yeah. Because that was just a fun, you know, extra L.A. thing that I could do that kind of went with the podcast. And I've always thought that house was interesting. You know, yeah. It was always the frozen in time house. And then you find out there's more to that story, you know, once right. you dig into it. But I, yeah, uh, but it's still still a really cool one. Yeah. So. I also I don't get as much feedback on like a lot of the Patreon or like bonus episode mm-hmm. stuff. So it's cool when people. Yeah. Like that we know that we know people are hearing them. Yeah. yeah. Acknowledging those things. Um. Two other things I wanted to shout out real quick. I have one message from uh, Pam Mandel. It's titled The Haunting of Two Sisters. Uh, So we just wrote a book on our true life experiences starting at age three. Now in our 60s, we wanted to share them with others. Uh, Basically said, I would love to send you a copy of the book. Um, Thank you for an opportunity to reach out to your podcast. I received that copy of the book uh, just the other day, and it looks looks great. And it looks really, really fun. Um, So I'm really excited to check that out. And it's crazy to me that people like, but send us stuff to check out, but <laughs> but it seemed really fun. And I just wanted to, to give a shout out um, to that. And then also we had a listener, um, big fan of the show, and, and it's been really, really cool to us for a long time. Her name's Chelsea, and she made us some stickers of our oh, podcast okay. logo, uh, cool. just the skull like with the, oh, the yeah, headphones yeah. and stuff, and sent me a bunch of those. Oh, cool. Um, they look great. Chelsea, thank you so much for sending those. I, I really appreciate them. And then we had a couple people um, that signed up for our Patreon, so they get bonus episodes of the show, things like that. So I just want to give a a shout out and thanks to Lexi and Kirsten. So thank you so much for signing up. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Well, I guess we should probably wrap this up and, um, we've got, uh, one more haunted hotel episode. One more, uh, before sure? the end of the year. Yeah, no, just one more. Okay. Uh, and then we'll be on our Christmas break for a little, just a bit, not yes. too long. We'll still have our, we still got to get in sometime where we can do our year in movie. What are, we gonna, what are we going to do? We got to figure it out. What are we so, going to do? Yeah. Nothing came out. I mean, sort of. Well, it did. I, actually, I've got, I know, I've got I know. my list actually right now is at like 67. 
horror films that have come out this year. I I mean, I haven't been trying. I I search. I mean, (laughs) I've been hunting things down and I've found some really good ones this year that are ones that I think will people have not seen. Yeah. Um, And I've sent you a couple of them. I've had a few that have been foreign uh, films, but definitely worth the watch. Uh Um, And I watched a really good one just a week or two ago, The Curse of Audrey Earnshaw. I love that movie. Yeah. And uh, there's a few more that are still coming. So I'm, you just got to really watch for them because a lot of stuff that might have come out in the theater, they've pushed it on yeah. over to Antlers. VOD. And well, I know. Oh, and then well, some the things they just kept for another year, just, but some stuff they've been putting put out. out. Yeah. Well, and, out. and they have. Um, they have. The Dark and the Wicked. I'll be watching that this weekend. I'm mm-hmm. hoping it's as good as it looks. Yeah. You have a whole list um, for this yeah, I've weekend, got a, right? Yeah. I've got a whole list. Um, of stuff that just came out. And so I, I want to make sure that I, I see this stuff so I can at least review it. Sure. My reviews have gotten a little shorter as the time has gone on. <laughs> yeah. If I really like it, then I give it a review. If I don't like it, I just write what was crappy about it and then move on. Right. Because uh, I'm already starting to run out of pages in that notebook. So <laughs> sure. um, anyway, but we all, we'll have that coming up. And then, uh, you know, a couple more episodes for the rest of the year. And then we'll uh, we'll be back after the first of the year with more Haunted Hollywood. But anyway, mm-hmm. for now, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, share this with your friends. If you've got friends who like this kind of stuff and you think they would like this podcast, please share it with them. Give us a review on iTunes. You know, send us a, a letter or whatever. You know, we'll be happy to hear from you. So Send me more free stuff. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. And I will keep continuing to, uh, to give oh, shout-outs. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you find somebody you think likes the show, um, please just like remind them that this episode of the American Hauntings podcast oh, was written God. by Troy Taylor <laughs> and it was produced and edited by me Cody Beck the show airs every other I week offering history haunts, folklore yeah. nope legends and the truth as we look more into America's darkest corners check out the website at AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com for show notes more info about the episodes and links to more from American Hauntings because American Hauntings isn't just a podcast it's books and tours and events and more and our main dinners webs and don't forget dinners, the sale dinners and 20% the sale. off in the main website you can find all this at American AmericanHauntings.net. And if you want even more from us, you can be a supporter of the podcast on Patreon. You can get bonus episodes of the show, t-shirts, discounts, great stuff in the mail, and more. Thanks to our supporters, we've upgraded our equipment for the show, and with continued help from you, we can dedicate more time and resources to creating even more shows in the future. Take a minute and check it out. We think you'll like what you find at patreon.com slash AmericanHauntings. Be sure to get in touch if you have any comments about the show, suggestions, reviews, jokes, or just want to tell us what you really think of us. We're reachable via email on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Carrier Pigeon, Western Union. Yeah, Western Union. That was the one we then. Probably some other things. Yeah, Pacific Bell. Yeah. So, yeah. Until next time. All right. Goodbye. So long. See, See you later. later. Yeah, I would say that if that girl was going to come out and do that, she needed.